Stuart Holman here with you again for a new series of daily devotionals in the book of Deuteronomy as part of our Growing Disciples course. Now, the title Deuteronomy means second law, as in the second reading of the law. There's a lot of laws here in this book, laws that we've already heard in Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers. But it's their setting, their context, which makes this second hearing of the law so compelling and, and so poignant. You see, the book of Deuteronomy is a series of three speeches or sermons, really, from Moses, the man who has led Israel out of Egypt to Mount Sinai, almost into the Promised Land, but then back into the wilderness for 40 more years. And now, here is Israel again, on the doorstep of their promised land, about to enter it at last. Moses is by now 120 years old. He knows that he will die very soon and that he will not actually set foot in the land. He delivers these three swan song sermons on the plains of Moab, just across the Jordan River from Jericho. Imagine the passion and the urgency in his aged voice as he urges Israel to learn from their past and to live up to their calling. Moses' first speech, which we're going to focus on today, is a recounting of what God has already done in getting Israel to this point. It's the historical prologue for his second and third speeches. We always remember that the law is embedded in a much bigger story. This historical prologue runs from the very beginning of Deuteronomy through to chapter 4, verse 43. Moses begins retelling the story. He starts at Mount Sinai as Israel sets out on their way to the Promised Land. That was 40 years ago, and things did not go so well then. So in Deuteronomy 1.19, Moses recalls, Then... As the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, and went toward the hill country of the Amorites through all the vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Then all of you came to me and said, Let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and to bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected 12 of you one man from each tribe. They left and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, The Lord hates us 
So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Uh, notice here for a moment that Moses says, you were unwilling, you rebelled, you grumbled. And earlier in verse 22, all of you came to me and said. But the whole point of this is that it is not this generation who said or did these things at all. It was their parents. The whole point of the past 40 years of wandering has been about waiting for that generation to die out. So here, and actually throughout all of Deuteronomy, Moses sees a continuity of the current generation with the former generation. The current generation, the ones standing before him on the plains of Moab about to cross the Jordan River to, to conquer their promised land, they need to feel the weight of all that has gone before them. And so Moses continues, You did not trust in the Lord your God, who went ahead of you on your journey, in fire by night and in a cloud by day, to search out the places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. When the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, No one from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except for Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He'll see it, and I'll give him and his descendants the land he sets his feet on, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Uh, Joshua's in there as well, but not mentioned. So this new generation need to feel the weight of their failure, well, actually the failure of their parents' generation to follow God's ways, to actually participate in this covenant relationship to which God has called them to, in the way that God has called them. So Moses' first speech in the book of Deuteronomy retells this history so that the new generation will learn from it, so that they will not repeat the same mistakes, to commit the same sins. And it's not just this generation, this conquest generation, we could call them, that needs to learn from the past. The generations after them, their offspring and successors, they should also pay attention to God's ways and to God's dealings with his covenant people. And so at the climax of this first speech, Moses says in chapter 4, verse 25, After you have had children and grandchildren, and have lived in the land a long time, if you then become corrupt and make any kind of idol, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God and arousing his anger, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples. Only few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. It's almost as if Moses knows exactly what's going to happen in the land over the next many years and generations to come. For the proponents of the Deuteronomic history theory, which we discussed at Sunday's community lunch. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the repetition of this theme, it, it's significant, right? It, it, that's what the point is. 
Uh, regardless though, the, the key idea here is that Israel must learn from their past. Because God is faithful, because God is consistent, because his word always stands, future generations as well as this present generation just about to enter the promised land must learn from what God has done and said in the past. The salvation event of the exodus from, from Egypt, the covenant renewal at Mount Sinai, God's holy presence among his people. All people do well to mark, to consider and to learn from these events. For Christians, as we ponder Moses' words, as we look back with greater clarity on the ultimate salvation event, which the Exodus could only prefigure, we dare not lose sight of God's mercy and his loving kindness. His coming to us in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection and ascension, his teaching and his promises. All too easily, I think these things just roll off our tongues. But surely here the scriptures urge us to remember, to consider, and to feed upon all that our God has already done. Our history, God's story, shapes and forms us for living well now as covenant partners with the living God. For your reflection, are our hearts stale and bored by the death and resurrection of Jesus? What can we do to actively remember God's great acts of salvation for us and all his people in the past?